Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Oh, it's freezing. <laughs> I love the cooler weather, though. I'm not complaining. Maybe it's just because um, I'm in a non-sun-facing room, uh, and so... <laughs> It's always cold, but I'm not complaining. As I said, I hope y'all are doing well. Uh, just quick little reminder, something that I've been uh, sharing with all my patients all week. I, I, I love the consistent threads of, um, you know, I'll, there'll be a topic that will keep coming up and pretty consistently. And it's a thread that's woven into a lot of people's journeys for that week or that month or that year. Uh, obviously, COVID was quite common and all the effects of that. But, you know, I'm working with a lot of people right now on just having a uh, better perspective on their moods and uh, what is possible for the day, the week and the month. And what I mean by that is that we've talked about this before a little bit, we will start our day. And uh, I'll share I'll share mine, I'll use myself as an example, I wake up in the morning, and, uh, you know, I'm working on not hitting the ground running, because that's that's my uh, preferred energy to start the day with is, uh, harried and hurried. And I'm working on slowing down a little bit because where am I rushing off to? Yes, I have a schedule, but there's time there's, you know, slow, slow, be more present. And, um, I'm, I'm in the kitchen and I'm getting my smoothie because I make my smoothie the night before. <laughs> I'm all about preparation. I actually make my coffee the night before as well. I actually make my coffee for the week. <laughs> I, I'm in a, a little bit of a food prepper, but it, not in the standard ways and getting my smoothie, pouring my coffee and all these things. And I drop the smoothie and although it's in one of those, uh, sports like shaker containers, it kind of just like explodes everywhere. <laughs> and it's amazing how that stuff can get everywhere and it's food. So it's gross. You want to wipe it up immediately because it'll dry, it'll harden, it'll get in strange places. Anyway, point being is we've all had mornings like that where we, you know, something's not ready. Something goes wrong. We drop something, we spill something and we're like, great, it's going to be a horrible day. And it's like, well, wait a minute. No, 
you are having a horrible moment. Not, you're not even having a horrible morning. You're having a horrible moment. That doesn't promise or speak to what's coming next. But we sometimes do that. We'll say, oh, today's, today's going to be horrible. Or again, the morning's horrible. And it's like, well, most likely not. But we dramatize, we catastrophize. But bigger than that, we kind of let it determine what's coming next. And we don't want to do that. A bad moment doesn't have to be a bad morning. A bad morning does not have to be a bad day. A bad day does not have to be a bad week. Bad week does not have to be a bad month. And I, and I tell myself that because <laughs> I was starting to say, oh God, it's going to be a bad year. It's only February. <laughs> I can't speak to what kind of year it's going to be. And even if it wasn't, overall going to be a great year. That doesn't mean that there can't be moments. The year can't be punctuated with moments of joy and fun. And I've shared on the show vulnerably, but very vaguely because <laughs> I'm pretty boundaried with my personal life on the show, just where I'm at, that this year has not started off great. And that a lot of major domains of life, the boxes are annoyingly unchecked or, you know, things are complicated. And I'm reminding myself that that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of joy and beauty to still be had or to come. And it's not about silver linings or positive thinking. I don't subscribe to that. That's toxic. When things are bad, feel them, acknowledge them. We're allowed to be negative. We're allowed to be where we are. But we also want to be honest and say, like, right now, I'm having a hard time. I can't speak to the year, the month, the day, the week, or whatever. But right now, this is horrible. This stinks. I'm not happy. <laughs> Everything's bad and wrong. Uh, but I'm open to what's coming next. And that's really all that I request of myself. And I try to work with my clients on is just the willingness and the openness um, to see what's coming next. And as I said on the show, I'm really practicing mindfulness and acceptance. And that means saying, all right, you know, I dropped the smoothie and I spilled it everywhere. I accept that. I, I cannot change that. I cannot take that back. I'm not happy about it. It's not what I wanted. It's definitely changing my, my morning or at least this moment. Um, but I accept it, you know, and what that means is, uh, huh, that happened, huh? Okay. You know, I used to say that I used to write, leave a notes around my house that said, okay. And I was okaying things, uh, you know, spill coffee on yourself. Okay. But what needs to be done? clean it up, change your shirt. So I cleaned up the smoothie and I was like, okay, I accept this and uh, moved on to the next moment and then moved on to the next moment. So just wanted to kind of start the show reminding y'all that, that um, that's actually the most honest thing. It's not honest to use one moment to decide the future or one day to make, you know, determine on the future. But we got a great show planned for you. It's uh, going to be a mixed bag in that I want to talk about the impact of um, problematic relationships with alcohol and drugs, how that impacts relationships and how we can work to heal that. And, you know, again, these, this applies to everyone. You can take out the word alcohol and implant pretty much anything because we're really going to be talking about how to reconnect because the subtopics are really about forgiveness and rebuilding trust. So that's really what the topic is, forgiveness and trust, and some really beautiful perspectives on that that I have been practicing, but through the lens of, um, hey, you're with someone who's struggling with drugs and alcohol, maybe relapsed and it harmed their relationship, and how do we repair? But this applies to infidelity. This applies to maybe someone withholding financial decisions or whatever it is. So it applies. Stick around, y'all, because uh, we're going to get into it. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, y'all, we are back, and... You know, again, it's a, uh, a topic embedded in a topic. And as with, <clears throat> excuse me, COVID, still have COVID symptoms, or maybe not, I'm just clearing my throat because I'm a human, who knows? Um, all these topics that I talk about on the show really apply to everyone because, you know, I use certain topics as the entry point or the springboard, but there's a lot of other things kind of sprinkled in there. So we're really talking about forgiveness and trust. And hey, if you're a human being, and you're in any kind of relationships with a coworker, a family member, a friend, a romantic partner, a marital partner, trust and forgiveness is built in inherently. It's just, there's more intensity when um, it's someone that's closer to you, but there's more intensity when it's someone that you're in a romantic or marital relationship with because it's a primary partnership and their functioning more powerfully impacts our functioning and vice versa than maybe a family member or even less so a friend, even a good friend. So. As always, we tend to afford our friendships a little more grace and a little more compassion, and we kind of loosen the reins and the boundaries. And just a little side note, our primary relationships would be better served if we treated them the way we treat friends. We give friends far more time and space, um, but we'll talk about that on another show. Um, all this to say that we're going to talk about how do we heal relationships that were harmed through our drug or alcohol misuse or problematic use. But again, that's just the entry point. So don't get hung up on that topic if you're like, yeah, but that's not relatable to me. Well, the the subtopics will be. Um, all that to say, maybe I should have just done the show on forgiveness and trust. <laughs> but I, you know, COVID in life um, has led to an increased 
you know, increased level of what would be defined as addictive behavior. And I tend to not use words like that. I tend to talk about people's relationships with drugs and alcohol, because when we use the word addict, it's so black and white, you know, once an addict, always an addict. Well, not true. Some people were mislabeled an addict and later in life, they're able to use drugs and alcohol at a more functional level. And sometimes it's contextual that something's going on in their life. And that's really the reason why they were misusing it. There's so many different reasons. Um, for some, some people that's too stigmatized, too stigmatized as an identity for all these different reasons. I just talk about, we all have a different relationship with drugs and alcohol. We all have a different relationship with food and sex and shopping and gambling and whatever it is. And, um, how do we work on having a really functional, better relationship with these things? If at all is really what the work is about. I don't get hung up on labels and diagnoses. I don't care. Those are metaphors. Those are just ways to better understand something so we can talk about it and talk about treatment options. But I think some people take them too seriously and too rigidly. Uh, they define themselves and their sole identity as that. I think that's not a good thing. And um, they're very stigmatizing and can be very disempowering, all sorts of stuff. So that's why I'm always like, hold those labels loose loosely. They were never meant to be identities, ever. They're meant to be metaphors, ways of perceiving and understanding, but people have literally hooked on and fused. And the work is about holding all these things lightly. So um, what do we do when we're in a relationship with someone where we have harmed them because of our use or they have harmed us? Well, it's a really common element of use. And one of the characteristics that we use to define someone having a problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol is that it negatively impacts the lives of those that you spend the most time around. That's one of the biggest um, diagnostic tools is how's it impact work? How's it impact your relationships? How's it impact your health? Those are what we use to determine if something's a problem, right? Um, but there's hope. And that's what I love about this is that relationships have plasticity. And we have this thing called corrective experience. And that means that when we think of someone, when we see someone, when someone approaches us, the first feeling we're going to get and the first set of thoughts we're going to get are going to be based on whatever's just occurred with them. And so if we've had a recent history of someone really engaging in some bad behavior because of their use, uh, lack of trust, chaos, all sorts of stuff, when they call us or when we see them or when they're coming in the room, that's what is that that's how they're going to be represented. That's how we're going to see them through that lens. But again, there's a plasticity and a workability to that that can change as we start to have a new experience of them, a different improved experience of them, the longer that goes and the more consistent that goes for the more we'll start to see them as this new person. So for example, as we mature in life and as we work on ourselves as human beings, which I hope we're all doing, I hope you're putting as much time into your mental health um, and working on yourself emotionally and psychologically as you are working on yourself at the gym and as much as you're working hard at your job to get those you know things done, your mental health, your self-care, your emotional health has to also be worked on. But side note, we tend to not. People put in like 40 plus hours at work and they're working on the weekends and they're going to the gym, you know, three days a week, five days a week, six days a week. And they got to work on my fitness and their meal prepping and all that. And it's like, awesome. How much time did you put into working on your mental health? Most people zero. Isn't that fascinating? And yet our mental health is the most important thing. Why? Well, without mental health, we're not going to do well at work or around our colleagues. Without mental health, we're not going to be a good family member or parent. Without our mental health, we're not going to be good, a good partner or friend. And it will impact everything. It is the core of who we are. And so again, any definition of health that doesn't include addressing mental health is not complete. 
And like I said, people will put endless hours into their work and then also maybe into their social life or their fitness physically, not, not doing anything for mental health. They're not in therapy. They're not uh, journaling. They're not working on themselves, which means they haven't identified areas and aspects of themselves that need improvement. They're not tracking and working on it. Um, they're not reading self-help books. These are all important parts of working on your mental and emotional health. Uh, being in therapy, reading things that help you unlearn and relearn better perspectives and better understandings as to how to move through the world, journaling or some other meditative mindful practice where you're self-assessing and tracking whether or not I'm working on these things. Um, so how do I do all that? Well, I'll tell you, therapy. I'm also constantly reading self-improvement stuff. I'm very cautious about what I read because a lot of the self-help world is a hot mess. Um, I'm also working on a daily journal, which has some prompts, which helps me track and work on different personal characteristics that I'm trying to change. And I also have a spiritual practice and that spiritual practice becomes my guide and my compass. It helps me in my decision-making. It helps me decide what behaviors I'm going to engage in. It's a barometer. Um, without having that barometer, we don't always, we're not always coming from our best. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back. Keep talking about this. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. Okay, sorry, I was off on a tangent there. Uh, <laughs> lost track of time. Just kind of explaining my own process as a way to really inspire y'all to, to step into your own process. And there's so many different ways we work on our physical, I'm sorry, we can work on our emotional and psychological health because we're so great about getting the work done and uh, working on maybe our fitness or our physicality or whatever it is, but to the detriment. And um, all of that to say <laughs> that we can heal wounded or broken relationships. And we're talking specifically tonight about those that are harmed by our use of drugs or alcohol. But again, this applies to everyone because we're going to be talking about trust and forgiveness. And those are really important concepts. If you're going to be a human, a social human on the planet, those will be things that we're all going to have to be better about doing and going to share some tips, tricks, and things to think about. Um, but let's look at some of the research. Uh, let's see for a second. Okay, here we go. So having a problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol is going to impact pretty much every area of all the relationships you're in. <laughs> you're not present with yourself. You're not present with other people. Uh, but more importantly, if we really break down what are those categories, it's uh, trust. It's one of the first ones to go, you know, and that's unfortunate because without trust, we really don't have a relationship and trust is easily broken. And it's a lot harder to rebuild, although it's totally possible. And later in the show, we'll talk about that. Boundaries. Boundaries are broken. And again, that ties back to trust. That ties back to feeling safe with someone. Um, intimacy. We're not present with ourselves. We can't be present with other people. And when we have a problematic relationship with drugs or alcohol, and it's really centered in our lives, we're not really thinking about intimacy building with other people. Honesty is gone. You know, for because <laughs> you're protecting your use, trying to deny your use, trying to hide your use. Um, all the different ways that you might be, you know, participating in the drug and alcohol world, communication um, becomes your top priority. And that's again, to the detriment of your loved ones. Um, so what else happens? Let's extend outside of the relationship, financial concerns and issues, health concerns and issues, um, arguments, fighting, higher levels of stress. And then depending on what's going on financially and otherwise, some cheating, some stealing, some lying, or maybe harming people, 
uh, aggression, abuse, uh, bills aren't getting paid, children's well-being is ignored, you're not looking out for the health of your relationship. Oh, let's add more. Um, this is from a 2007 study looking at men and women and the impact of use. And those that had a problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol had higher levels of mood disorders, anxiety disorders, domestic violence. I mean, I think the stats are something like 75% of domestic violence cases or 80% involve alcohol use. 75 to 80% of instances of violence involve alcohol use. All really good reasons to reduce or remove alcohol from your life, even for those that don't feel as though they have a problematic relationship. It still has led to verbal, emotional abuse and other unsafe and unkind decisions and behaviors, you know, driving when you're intoxicated, all sorts of stuff. It's a mess. Um, also toxic for every system of the body. <laughs> it's just not good for you. Um, can feel like a roller coaster. Um, so for those that are trying to get in recovery, often it's because of their health, because of the loss of relationships, employment stuff. Um, 2019 study so more current, suggests that substance use may predict poor relationship quality and increase conflict. We got that. Um, but the cycle's hard to break. And um, if you're on the receiving end of it because you're the friend of someone who's using problematically or you're the partner or the family member, whatever it is, you know, you feel lonely. Your heart is broken. Uh, maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're anxious because you're watching someone go through this or you're, you know, a primary partner and you're directly impacted or you're seeing the harm it's causing to, you know, other members of your social circle or your kids. And so relational repair is an important part of the sobriety process and the healing process. And what falls under that umbrella is typically for the uh, person with the issue, right? The drug and alcohol issue, them working on rebuilding trust with you. But if you're on the receiving end, you do also have work in that trust building process. And we'll talk about that later in the show. And you also have to work on, if you want a relationship with them, forgiveness. Uh, you don't have to forgive anyone and you don't have to forgive to heal, but you do have to forgive to maintain or work on a relationship with them. Because if you don't forgive, then you're going to be living in resentment and you should not continue a relationship with them. So again, if this is someone you want to have in your life, forgiveness is necessary. If you don't want them in your life, you don't have to. We now know that from a lot of the trauma work that it's victim blaming to say to someone who's the victim of something, you have to forgive them. No, you don't. Sometimes that anger and being yeah, anger being maintained can help protect you and set boundaries. Um, we used to always say like that anger is poison. It can be, and, and generally it is. But for some people, it's a form of boundaries and empowerment that you've harmed me and my holding you accountable is going to involve that anger. And I'm going to use that anger to motivate me to also set better boundaries and take care of myself with others. Um, it's not always necessarily toxic. So um, we're going to take a break and we're going to do some DMs and then we're going to come back and start to really kind of jump deeper into the healing process. And that's where this is more of a globalized topic. And we'll talk about how to rebuild trust, which we all need to learn and also forgiveness for those that want to make that a part of their journey. But we're going to take a break, do some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, Topics, things you want us to circle back to. Um, stick around, more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my partner and I have been talking about wanting to have a threesome. We've been spending the last few months fantasizing 
watching threesome porn together to get to know our boundaries and our turn-ons. See, so far, that's awesome. I love that. This is what I'd always say to a couple. Before you just jump right into something, first start talking it out in fantasy. See, ideally, what it is you'd love to see happen because that's part of the threesome thing. It's like, what is it you're seeking? And then I like that you're watching porn together. I think fantasizing about others and watching porn is a really healthy way to bring other people into the bedroom without actually having to bring other people in real time into the bedroom. For some couples, that's enough. Just bringing them in symbolically through porn and discussion and it amps up the arousal. And then after orgasm, some people are like, yeah, that was all we needed. We're glad that there's not still people here to say goodbye to and (laughs) clean up afterwards, offer refreshments and deal with whatever comes with it. So I like at least that being there and that being somewhat of a rehearsal, like what did you enjoy about that? What what are you looking to have happen? Uh, and learning, as you said, about boundaries and turn-ons. What do we want to have happen? What do we don't want to have happen? What do we want to do? And in sharing that, your partner can be like, oh man, no, I actually don't like that. I'm glad you brought that up and vice versa. And maybe you realize it's a very much a shared vision or not. So I like this uh, practice and rehearsal. It's important. Um, also, I want to remind people that if you do it in real time and it wasn't what you wanted, you don't have to do it again. There, 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 there's no such thing as there's no going back. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. We can go to the theme park, ride a roller coaster, and be like, yeah, that wasn't fun. I don't want to do a roller coaster again. And it's not like, oh, too late. We're going to have to go to a roller coaster every weekend now. No, we have boundaries and impulse control. Like, it just doesn't work like that. <laughs> so don't be afraid of trying things. That's how we learn what we want to do differently next time if we want to even do it at all. So I like that you're talking about boundaries and turn-ons. Back to your question, you said we are both ready to invite a third, but don't know how to, oh, here we go. Don't know how to go about finding someone we're both attracted to and we're interested in. Uh, We'd like to take them out to dinner so we get to know them. Any recommendations on how to compassionately carry this out? Well, you got two options. Well, you got three. Someone you might already know, going out to a bar and trying to find someone or using an app. And apps tend to be the best way to start because there are apps Um, All apps actually have the capacity for finding a third partner. You just put the two of you in a photo and set up a couple's profile and say that's the two of you uh, looking to find a third partner. Yes, some of the apps are more focused on dating and you're not looking to date a third, but you can put a sexually driven post up there. We're a couple and we're looking to open up and try it with a third. There's also Adult Friend Finder and other apps that are specifically about finding sex. So um, that would be your best bet. See who you match with dialogue a little bit and then meet up for dinner or the harder one is going out to a bar and hoping you bump into someone they're both interested in who's interested in doing that it's a little bit harder uh but that's why i'm glad we have apps you can find anything that's your best bet it's ethical it's safe and then you meet them yeah that's all we got Uh, i wish i had other options um but i'm glad that you as a couple are wanting to try something together because any shared experience can be really good for the relationship and we learn more about ourselves and each other what we want to do more of what we want to do less of what feels good what doesn't feel good um and often it can help us as a couple because even when we're no longer with a third we can bring them back in symbolically by fantasizing about what happened imagining what happened et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes you realize you're comfortable doing it sometimes again and again. But as far as how to compassionately find someone, apps are going to be your best friend, set up a couple's profile. Um, yes, you're publicly out there, but we don't have any other option other than that. Like I said, other than like a bar and, you know, um, classifieds don't really exist so much anymore. A lot of those got shut down because that's how some people historically did it in a more private way. Um, so yeah, good luck. But I like what you're trying to do as a couple. I think that that's Awesome. Um, All about pushing on our boundaries, trying new novel things. 
It's how you keep a healthy sex life alive, you know, new novel things, changing it up, people, places, things, any little tweaks can be really inspiring on that way. So well done. Circle back though and let me know. Truly circle back. Let me know. All right, y'all. That is our DM. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any question you got, we got answers for you. Something you're wondering about, someone else might be as well. Uh, as you learn, they learn. And past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Lots of good stuff back there. Also lots of answers and gems. So go back and check that stuff out. But uh, don't go anywhere because we're coming back and we got a whole lot more for you. You're listening to A Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back and uh, talking about trust building and forgiveness through the lens of Drug and alcohol use and someone who might have been harmed or is harming. Um, we're kind of looking at that recovery process. But again, this is like skills that are applicable to everyone. So um, even if you don't directly relate, bump it a bump. So making amends, rebuilding trust, that becomes an important part of recovery. But all relationships have moments uh, where that's necessary. We hurt people. We harm people. It's part of being human. And um, yes, we want to set boundaries and we don't want to accept or allow abuse and we don't want to you know, stay in a relationship with toxic people. But even on a more um, acceptable level, people break trust. Trust is an ongoing active process. Trust isn't something that is just created and then it exists in and of itself. It's like love. It's an action. It's a verb. Uh, it's like relationship. Relationships are actually an action and a verb. It's not like, oh, we got married, so I have a relationship and now nothing needs to be done. No, you need to keep flirting and keep attracting and keep courting and keep romancing. It's an action. Love is the same way. Are you loving? It's not just something we have and then we just throw our hands up and say, done, check the box, moving on. Trust is the same way. We can every day be building it or every day be breaking it. And in small moments, we break trust. But hopefully, we then repair it very quickly and we'll talk about how to do that. But that's a big part of recovery. Um, uh, accountability, knowing what the work is, um, but also allowing it Um and that's the thing where if this is a relationship that's important to you and this is a relationship that you want to uh, maintain, then it's work that comes from both ends. Uh, it's not simple. So like I said, it's a dynamic process. You know, it's something that's always in play, something we're always working on. Um, and it's done by our behavior. And that's the thing about relationships. We, we really think erroneously and problematically that the goal is just to get someone and to have them to make them our boyfriend or girlfriend to become monogamous to live with them to get married and then we think like we're good we're done but it's more than that and that's how i want you to kind of see trust um it's not a destination it's something that we're constantly earning and it's a cumulative impact of all the things we've done and so whether or not we trust someone or we're worthy of trust does have a historical component, right? Like who have, we, who have we been to this person or who's this person been to us? But it's also about what they're doing now. Um, some of the ways I help people understand that within early relationship, but also later relationship is consistency, availability, reliability, and responsiveness. Those are the ways that, especially on the front end, we start to really build trust. They're consistent. They're reliable. They're available. 
and they're responsive. Those are the four cornerstones. That's also the four cornerstones of secure attachment. So that's how we want to show up to people if we want to communicate to them that they can trust us and that this is a real relationship. Um, but that's also what we want to look for in another person so as to feel as though we can trust them. I love using those words. I like sound bites like that. Um, <clears throat> now, the fact that trust is an ongoing system that you're always, you know, pushing in one direction or the other, it's a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> it's a bad thing because we can be eroding it and eating it away. It's a good thing because we can rebuild it. Um, everything kind of matters. Uh, I don't want us to dramatize small things. Like if someone said they'd pick something up on the way home and they don't, yeah, it's a small violation of trust, but we don't want to live and die by something like that. But that does count. If, you know, every time they say they're going to do something for us, they don't, we don't buy into the fact that we can count on them following through. And even though that, that doesn't mean we can't be in a relationship with them, that will negatively impact us. So remember that, unfortunately, I don't make the rules, so you don't have to agree or not, but that's how it goes is if you say, you know, on the way home, I'll pick up apples, you better pick up apples. And if you don't know if you can or will, don't say that or say, Hey, I know I said I'd pick them up. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to at least have some accountability and acknowledgement. Um, but that's the point, right? Is it can work for us or can work against us depending on. So just be very thoughtful about that. Um, I was in a relationship with someone who was constantly saying that they would, uh, order something or purchase something or stop and get something or be home at a certain time and never did. And it wasn't that they weren't necessarily, um, where they have trust. Uh, it's just that they, put too much on their plate and they often forgot or were distracted and that's reasonable that's life but the impact it had on me was I didn't feel as though I could count on them following through on anything so then I stopped asking or I was constantly following up to make sure and it just overcomplicates. so be aware of that if you say you're going to do something do it if you don't think you can don't say you will and if you can't own it and call it out it's important because these little things build up remember trust is an accumulation um so, you know, it matters. Everything kind of matters. Everything counts. Um, and there's a choice in this. Learning to trust someone again or at all is a choice we make. Um, you working on trusting someone is about you being open to having faith in them because it's about faith. I believe it's like a future oriented thing. I believe in moving forward that you'll look out for us and my well-being. I have faith in that. We have to be open to that. Let's take a little break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the uh, trust and forgiveness part and healing a relationship. Um, and then later we'll be doing some DMs. So stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back and talking about trust and forgiveness. And, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, trust is uh, an active system. It's plastic, meaning we can easily uh, lose trust. We can easily start to rebuild trust. It really depends on how we're showing up. But if you are wanting to trust someone because someone's trying to re-earn that with you because of, of some kind of violation, you have to be open. And you have to have faith in them. That's really what this is about. Having faith that I can and will be better. But you have to be open to that. If not, then it's not going to really push the needle. So that's a question. Um, trust is an ongoing process. It's rooted in actions. So if you're trying to rebuild trust, make sure that everything you do is worthy of trust. And make sure you do what you say you're going to do. Because um, you're being watched. You're being felt. But 
if you're trying to learn to trust someone again, you have to be open to seeing the actions they're taking and letting them impact you. That's where you have to have a willingness to be impacted. You have to have a willingness to see them as they are now. People grow and change. You know, someone might've been really problematic in the past, but they've gotten educated and they've done better and we have to be willing to update our understanding or our perspective on someone. People are always changing. My God, I don't know who I was 10 years ago, but I wouldn't want to be held accountable to that. I've grown and changed in the past 10 years and I need and deserve to be seen as I am now. I tell that to everyone I work with. And that was a powerful lesson to those that were in this inpatient drug and alcohol center that I worked at. I said to them, you're all here and you're sober now and you're here to be better. And in the past you might've lied and cheated and stolen, but you can leave that behind you. You don't need to carry that with you forever. That's who you were. That's not who you are. And as long as you move forward, engaging in behaviors worthy of trust, you have a right to demand to be seen as you are now. And that's kind of a little bit of a commentary, I guess, on cancel culture. Um, people grow and change. I don't care what someone said five years ago or 10 years ago. If they've learned and done better, I relate to them as they are now. And I think it's gross, honestly, that we go back and look at you know tweets that were said three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, that's who they were then. The question should be, is that who you are now? And what do you think now? And if they're like, I've grown and changed and I don't believe that, case closed. Um, we can't hold people accountable to who they were. We can to an extent, we can question, we can ask, we can say, I feel unsafe and my trust has been eroded based on what I heard or I saw or I learned, um, but we have to be open to seeing them as they are now if they're better and different. That is part of humanity and anything less than that is a denial of humanity, period. Um, we can't just keep voting people off the planet who upset us, otherwise there will be nobody left. Um, but we have to have openness and we have to have faith in people those that are worthy of it by demonstrating that they're worthy of rebuilding trust, right? We're tracking. I think that's very valid. Um, and the longer you're in a relationship with someone, the more time you have to kind of enhance that or erode at that. So just pay attention to that. That's it's as simple as just, if you say you're going to do something, do it. And if you say, if you can't, for some reason, own that. Um, stop making commitments you can't honor. And that even falls under things like fidelity and monogamy. If you struggle with monogamy, either acknowledge that it is too hard for you or it's not right for you, um, or work on honoring that and becoming someone who can pull that off. But it can't just be these in-between gray areas because you're impacting your own sense of trusting yourself, but you're also impacting the other people you're in a relationship with. Um, and there's also something about acknowledging our failures that also can help rebuild trust because that shows that there is accountability and that we are tracking ourselves and that we do want to be better. I appreciate that these are complex topics with a lot of nuance to them. So I can't speak to everyone's experience and I can't generalize or universalize. These are things that you have to kind of apply to yourself. And then we get into forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. It really is. And like I said, not everyone has to forgive, but if you want a relationship with someone, you do have to forgive. <laughs> Otherwise you're going to just be harming each other in resentment and contempt. And then it's not healthy for either party. Uh, if someone wounded you and you choose to not forgive the person who wounded you has a right to also realize that this isn't right for them at that point. Um, but forgiveness is powerful and, um, forgiveness is yet again, an action, just like trust. Trust is about the things we're doing and trust is about being open to seeing the things that this other person's doing. Well, forgiving is the same thing. The action is in the giving, giving back to your partner what was there before the hurt. Um, honestly, forgiving is about starting to allow yourself to see, but more importantly, for those that are saying, what actions can I take to start forgiving someone? You need to start moving back towards treating your partner as the person they were before the incident happened. 
treating your partner as if it didn't happen. That is how we start moving towards forgiveness, not relating to them as the perpetrator, but starting to relate to them as we did prior. Because forgiveness literally means to give what went before. And forgiveness is a giving, it's not a feeling. We're not gonna feel it until we start doing it. And once we start doing it, we can start to feel it. And that's what I love about it, is there, there is a behavioral thing we can do to actively be in that process, thankfully. Otherwise, we would just be sitting there passively, feeling crappy, not liking this person, having contempt and resentment, um, just with some willingness, luckily, for them to start doing trust-enhancing things. But like, there's actually stuff we can do. So we're gonna take a little break. We'll come back and um, actually, no, we have we have time. We can move forward. I'm sorry, I'm watching the clock. Um, so again, what do you do? You start to try to relate to them as they were before the incident happened. It's a process, it's ongoing. I don't mean immediately. I don't mean you snap back. I don't mean you have no boundaries. This is a slow build, depending on what occurred. So again, I'm not saying like if someone says, I'm sorry, you're like, I forgive you. And we just hold hands and skip off in the sunset like it never happened. What I'm saying is the vision, the goal that you're slowly working back towards is seeing them and relating to them as you did before. But it takes time because they have to keep earning your trust as you're doing that. And that's what you that's what propels you forward. If they aren't doing their part to earn your trust, well, then understandably, you're not able to do your part in holding space to trust them and forgive them. See how that works? Um, so it doesn't mean you suddenly snap back, but you do have to commit to working on it if you choose to want to work on forgiving someone, which you don't have to. But you can't be in a relationship with someone if you're not going to forgive them. It doesn't work. It's not healthy for either party um, if they're doing the trust building behavior. Um, so you take daily actions. Daily actions. Now we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll pick up where we left off. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all. We are back talking about uh, forgiveness. If you choose it, don't have to. But if you want to be in a relationship or move forward with someone, you gotta. And that's built on you being motivated by seeing them doing things that are worthy of trust. They're rebuilding. They're rebuilding trust with their actions. But forgiveness is a commitment you make if you want to forgive. And it's about daily actions you take, and those are rooted in starting to go back to relating to them and treating them and interacting with them in the ways you did before the incident happened. That's the vision and the plan. That's what it looks like. You slowly do it if you choose to forgive. But again, like I said, you don't have to, but then you have to own that and then you should part ways because we don't, neither one, the perpetrator or the victim, neither one has to stay in a relationship that has contempt and resentment. And um, even the people that harm get to still look out for their mental health and well-being, 100%. Uh, so again, it's daily actions that look like the actions you took before this incident occurred, the injury, the affair, whatever it was, that's the plan. Um, even maybe improve on them. So don't wait for you to just feel better. It's these actions that will get you to a place of feeling better. But some people think I need to feel better before I can do that. That is not true. That feeling might not come on its own, although it might slowly from this person rebuilding trust, but you have a role in that if you choose to be a part of this process, but you have a right to say, I'm gonna leave the relationship. But if you're gonna stay, you have to commit to being part of the process. That's the commitment I demand of couples. If we're gonna do couples work around healing and injury and infidelity or whatever it is, you both have work in this. Um, yes, you might be the victim of the perpetrator's behavior, but from a relational perspective, you're both in this and how you impact each other matters. Um, so don't wait for the feeling to develop. We take the actions first and we start making little daily acts of forgiveness. Now, what's an example of that? Well, maybe you start very small. You go back to just saying goodnight every night, 
and that's all you got in you right now, but that's you slowly moving back towards the relationship you had and the relationship you want again. Maybe you slowly, after a few good nights, start giving a kiss good night. This is maybe a weekly plan, maybe a monthly plan. I don't know. Maybe you start to slowly hold, move back into cuddling and holding hands again, trying to soften into that, familiarize yourself with that, find the safety in that again. Again, it's baby steps. You have to move at the pace that feels right for you. Um, it's not you're not always going to feel awesome. It's a little bit of embodying it and and helping and, and allowing the feelings to emerge. Um, they add up though. It's a cumulative effect, just like, unfortunately, trust can be ripped away as a one-off, but forgiveness usually are these slow accumulative effects. Um, but you have to be open and willing and choose this. Uh, we're moving back towards closeness and intimacy. Um, and I know that that's hard, but that's what the work is. And not everyone's up for it. And that's where you have to do the work of saying this person, this relationship has to, not, has to have enough value and meaning that I want to do this. And again, we were starting the show by talking about healing after the injury of drug and alcohol use and what comes with that. And for you to want to maybe work on your part about forgiving, you have to see them actively engaging in better use of drugs and alcohol or complete sobriety, whatever this person has decided is right for them. Um, and as you constantly see them addressing that, that hopefully builds the foundation and the trust for you to say, I feel safe letting them back in. Um, but it's about faith. You know, forgiveness and trust is about faith, faith and willingness. Um, and if not, maybe get into some therapy to process whether or not you should and how you can start to do that. But faith and willingness. And again, that's, it's a system. What, the part, what one partner's doing motivates the other which then motivates the other, which then motivates the other. And that system keeps taking on that positive reinforcing role because what you each input impacts the other. Your lack of willing to forgive or allow trust to be built is going to impact the motivation of the partners trying to rebuild the trust circular system. And again, like I said, it's a good thing and a bad thing, <laughs> but you want to be kind with yourself through this entire process because it's not easy. You know, the best thing we have is the worst thing we have, memory. We will be reminded of what's happened and triggers will exist and there'll be days that are harder. We thought we made improvement that we have an especially hard day. It's built in the cycle of change. We expect that. It's never just exponential positive growth. Whenever we're trying to change or work on anything, we expect days where we sidestep, go backwards a little bit. That is actually part of a forward move. So you haven't gone backwards, although it looks that way. You're actually still moving forward because what looks like a backward move is part of a forward move. Whatever we're talking about, going to the gym, eating differently, getting into therapy, it's never once I made that decision for the rest of my life until I died, I stuck with it. No, it's going to be days where you let it drop. You're not as invested. It's part of the process. Don't be thrown off by that. But you got to have the willingness and the faith. <laughs> Keep going back to those two terms. Um, and sometimes you have to remind yourself of why this relationship important or person's important to you to really help keep that motivation going. A lot of resources out there to help support you. Lots of different 12 step programs, books, therapy, self-help groups. So, you know, get the support you need. But like I said, psychology and relationships are plastic. They're workable. They're changeable. It's a good thing. It's also a bad thing. Um, all right, y'all, coming up next, I'm going to do some DMs. So if you've got a question for us, something you're wondering about, throw it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Other people are probably wondering the same stuff, so you're helping them as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous and confidential, so whatever you're wondering about, drop it in there. Also, throw in there uh, topics you want covered, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into, and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, we listen. Um, 
yeah, stick around though. We'll be back after the break, answering those questions, dropping those gems. So stick around with us. You're listening to A Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one's a little bit long, so uh, stick around. Uh, Dear Dr. Chris, I am a 33-year-old newly single lesbian woman. 33, newly single lesbian woman. Got it. I've always wanted children, and until recently, thought my partner did as well. Oh, I know. Things change. People grow. People's interest in children has to do with a lot of different factors, how they feel about their partner, their relationship, themselves, stability, finances, aging, all sorts of stuff. Um, about a month ago, she had told me that she no longer wants to have kids and that effectively, and that effectively ended our relationship. I'm now deciding to go on this journey of parenthood on my own, which is somewhat terrifying, but I know I'm ready and I don't want to wait any longer. I have a lot of support from my family. So, so far, that's awesome. I appreciate people saying I, I, I'm going to follow through on my goals and dreams, uh, whether or not I partnership, and that might be traveling that you've always wanted to do, children, home purchasing. We, we can't always wait until we have this magical partner that we thought we wanted or needed to have to do things. Sometimes we need to just live our lives anyway and uh, take that trip. 
And if and when we have a partner again down the road, we can go back and do it again with a partner and it'll be a very different experience. But singledom is about still living in your life. Singledom is very much about still participating in the world. Don't, don't sit home reducing the quality of your life because you don't have someone to experience things with, you know, experiences still have worth and value even when you're experiencing them on your own. So don't, don't diminish, you know, the joy that can be had by still going for walks alone, uh, going out for a drink alone, going to the movies alone, shopping, traveling. And in fact, sometimes that's also how we meet others. But like, just because there's no one there to experience it or witness it with you doesn't mean it has less value. But we see, we tend to see it that way. Like it's less fun if I go to the movies alone. Well, it doesn't have to be, (laughs) you know, uh, we still want to be in our lives. Back to your question. You said I have support from my family, which is awesome because you're going to want support from everyone around you. But I'm having trouble finding resources for women like myself who are choosing to be a single mom rather than those who found themselves in that situation. Where and how can I find support for my situation? And how do I deal with people who are not okay with this? Uh, I don't know what you mean by finding support. Um, Do you mean like resources and support groups for single moms. I have to believe that that exists if you Google it, but that's outside my knowledge base. I don't, I don't know much about that specific world. So I'm going to leave that to you to do that research. But when you go to, how do I do with people who aren't okay with this? It's such an important broader question because yeah, there's going to be times in our lives where people aren't okay with us making a career change. Okay. With us, uh, really stepping into our true gender expression, Um, some people aren't going to be okay or supportive with us leaving a relationship or uh, making a move. I see that all the time. Clients that want to leave their career and go into art and they're going to go from making, you know, six figures to a lot less, but they're like, that's who I am. That's what makes me happy. People who come out as gay, even they've been in like a heterosexual marriage or relationship or have kids or someone who after decades wants to leave a marriage. We have to live our lives based on what makes sense to us. Mental health is about authenticity and liberation, living our truth, not conforming, not doing what others want us to do. That isn't mental health. And so I'm really proud of people who do what they do in service of who they really are, especially when people aren't supporting them. That's such a beautiful, radical act of self-worth and mental health. Like that always blows me away. So essentially a couple things. Number one, do it anyway. Number two, don't internalize their discomfort as though it means you're doing something bad or wrong. When they're telling you that they're not okay with it, they're telling you more about themselves than anything about you. They're saying they can't imagine doing that if they were a single person in your shoes. That's all they're saying that it makes them nervous to imagine doing that, but they don't need to do that. And also you have a right to set a boundary. Hey, you've already expressed that it's something you're not supportive of. I, I'm, I'm looking to only hear support. So if you want to discuss this topic with me further, please only share with me the, the elements of it that you can you know, celebrate and support because you who wrote this question has a right to just lean into the celebratory nature of such an amazing decision you've made. And so you have a right to say that to people. I really only want to be celebrating the excitement and positivity of this decision because I'm stoked. And so I'd really like to just focus on that. So what elements are you excited about? And if you have any negative thoughts about it, you can say to them, I'd like you to keep that to yourself. I don't really want to hear that. There's nothing wrong with telling people I'm not interested in hearing the negative parts. I'm only interested in celebrating. In fact, I think that's really important. Um, All right, y'all, that is our show. I've got a question for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page from you with whatever you're struggling with. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Y'all be good to yourselves. Be good to those around you. As always, thanks for hanging out and y'all enjoy the rest of your night. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 